Hi, I'm Renee Philpott, and this is Selling with Charm. After over 26 years in sales, there's one thing I have learned. Sales is fun. Join me as I help you simplify your sales process, and together we will reach your weekly, monthly, and yearly goals. Let's get started. Good morning, Nick. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my podcast. I am looking forward to talking with you and for my audience to hear all about you. Share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, So my name is Nick Conway. I'm originally from uh, northeastern Kentucky outside of Flemingsburg, right outside of of Moorhead. Um, But did my undergraduate schooling at Transy, finished up my MBA at Midway uh, a couple years ago, stayed in the, the central Kentucky area, um, and am now working in B2B tech sales day to day. And I'm also working on a, you know, a startup with, with my brother on the side, but super glad that, you know, you've, you've had me on today. You and Earl are people that I've always kind of looked up to from a distance just because of my friendship with Corey and just knew that, you know, you guys doing what you do and coming from a a similar place was just always, you know, uh, something I could look to as, you know, the, they did it. I can do it too. Um, So thank you for, for having me on. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I love Eastern Kentucky. So uh, I love that. Um, I love to share how I'm from Eastern Kentucky, some of the things I did that uh, made me appreciate it even more. And I was able to learn things and take it back to Eastern Kentucky and um, grow a business there. So it is uh, one of the things that's close to my heart is Eastern Kentucky. Um, so you, um, at your, your career is in B2B tech sales now. I would love for you to share with us if you had intended on a sales career or how that happened. Yeah. Um, so I had no intention on ending up in sales long-term. My first foray in sales was an internship my junior year at Transy at Northwestern Mutual. And my original interest was in in finance, but going through that internship was my first, you know, understanding that you're always selling, regardless of the business you're in, regardless of what you're doing, you're always selling yourself, a product, whatever the case may be. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow only because sales, to me, growing up was almost a, a dirty word, right? People just have a, a negative connotation of what sales means. And it took me a, a long time to get out of my own way and get out of my own head to realize that, you know, this isn't a bad thing. Sales is, you know, fundamental to human business. It's, you know, I would say one of the original careers, right? Um, people have been doing it for thousands of years. So that, uh, that was a hurdle for me to get over definitely, but I'm glad I did. And I'm really glad of, you know, being in the, the B2B space now. Oh, that's great. So I also, um, accident was, it was got into sales by accident. Um, but I love it because just like you said, I realized everything is about sales, whether it is in my personal life, if you're going to have a life that you want and you want to help other people, you're going to have to do some selling whether you're making money from it or whatever, uh, it 
you just you just need to know how to help other people get what they want. And that's what I think sales really is. Um, I think that bad, I guess the bad reputation for sales comes from we have seen people trying to sell things that people don't need mm -hmm. or um, they're selling it in a way that we can't tell why we need it. Then it feels salesy. And you wonder, you know, why are you talking to those people who um, are trying to talk their way into, you know, selling you something really know mostly about the product and they don't tell you why you need the product or what it's going to do for you. It's uh, mostly based on just one side and that's when it feels salesy and we get uncomfortable or that's how I feel. So you uh, actually brought some great coaching questions that my audience hasn't really, it's a little different than what my audience has heard already. So let's get started with that. And what is the first thing you'd like to work on? Um, yeah, so my first question would be kind of going back to what you were talking about with um, making it a, a two-sided conversation so we don't have that commission breath, um, <laughs> or at least that's my favorite term. Um, and you, And you can feel it when it becomes that. But it's a matter of, you know, obviously scripts have been around forever. I still use scripts in, in my day to day. But how do we use a script as a guideline and not so much as, you know, a gospel text that we cannot leave? Um, and how do we get comfortable getting off script and identifying, you know, a pain point that someone has and then being able to figure out how our product or our solution can solve this problem. And like you said, you're really trying to, to help someone ultimately. Yes. Okay. That's great. So I have always um, loved scripts because it gives you the main idea. It's like a highlight. That's how I look at it. I'm not going to use it word for word, but I can get the meaning for what we're trying to do from script. I always um, give my reps scripts, but I say, make this your own. Get comfortable with whatever you're saying. But in addition to kind of giving you a talk track, it, it, it will give you an idea for what you're looking for. So one of the things that you can do if you, you're looking at your product and you know what it does, but there's some things that your customers would be struggling with if they need it. So figure out some questions that you can ask them in a conversational way that lets you know. So it's like discovery questions, mm -hmm. um, but you want it to work together with your script. So for example, let's say I am going in to a church to sell them a copier. And I don't want to just them to feel like I am just unloading a bunch of questions on them. But I want to introduce myself, make it very conversational once. I, and so, and you said something really important. You said you can feel it. Mm -hmm. You can feel if you are get overstepping and you're, you're just telling a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. So that's what you're doing. Anytime that you start talking with your prospect is you're feeling it. You're looking for pushback. If you can keep, keep it kind of fluid and the conversation is moving, then, you, then you're doing good. You're not getting any pushback. So that's, that's one of the first things that I do is I wanna get into a conversation that's comfortable with them. If I start getting pushback, 
I'll back off a little, make it come back to being very conversational. Like, because I want them to let them know I'm not going to continue to push if this is not a good time for you. If I start asking questions and back to the church, and so I'm asking some questions, a couple of things that normally would happen with a customer, um, maybe they they don't get good service on their current equipment. You know, it takes somebody two or three days to get there. Um, maybe they they don't have fold, and I, I notice that their bulletins are folded and I can see their machine doesn't fold. So I would ask questions relating to things I think might be a problem for them. Not every potential client is going to have the same problem probably, but if you can figure out what's most common and ask some questions around that before you go into detail. And then that's also how you make a big difference for them. So if I'm talking to a customer and I figure out some pain points for them and some things that you can ask, what do you love about your current situation? That way you're not throwing your competitor under the bus or you're not saying everything's bad right now. And then you could say, what do you think they could be doing better? Or is your current system, how, how well is your current system working? What, and then you can base that on how they say, if they say, it's great, we have no problems. It's really hard to push anything different when they say, it's great, we have no problems. But you can say, Super, is there anything you wish it did that it doesn't do? Are you getting the results you're looking for? So those are some questions. And then listen. Now, that's probably one of the hardest things. It's back to being conversational and keeping it fluid. You want to listen for what they say back. And this is where you have to get off script because you mm -hmm. don't know what they're going to say back. But you're going to listen. You're going to, once you get used to some questions you ask, some Typical problems that they that you usually run across with your uh, prospects, then the answers get very similar after a while, and then you'll know what to where to go back to with your line of questions and what you're going to be giving them back. Does that help? Yeah, no, it, it definitely does, and it actually brings up the the next question I had is, you know, for reps that are newer in a newer in a role um or making a transition into a, a new role because i've done that you know a couple times at this point when you don't have the the product knowledge or you're not the industry expert yet in the space you're working in you know what is the does the line of questioning change at all at okay. that point or how can you make yourself you know vulnerable but also still an active listener because I, I struggle with you know turning off those active listening ears um but what does that line of questioning look like then when you're not as not as confident you're not as knowledgeable okay so always be real with people say you know, i'm new at this 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 is some of the things that i typically run across are you experiencing any of those with your current system you can say some things like that one one trick of the trade for me when I was learning something new, I would figure out one type of business. And you know, I had a lot of different machines I could quote. But to keep it simple until I got really a lot better at it, I figured I, I, all you have to do is have success one place and then find more that's set up very similar. 
So if it's a certain situation, a certain type of business, and you have some success, find more businesses just like that. It's very hard because you can get overwhelmed with there's so much opportunity because no matter what you're selling, there is a lot of opportunity. But you kind of have to niche down a little bit until you get your feet under you. And so that sometimes is a good way, a good strategy. I don't know how your leads are set up, so it may be a little different. I had freedom to prospect mm -hmm. where I wanted to. And I was just like everybody else. In the beginning, I wanted the big stuff. But I figured out, first, there's some, where's the most need? And that's where I got my start is I, I, I figured out there was, some, there was a bigger need in some of the smaller accounts. Plus, I was a little more comfortable and they were forgiving knowing I was new. And you can just always be honest. If they ask you something you're not sure about, you can say, that's a great question. I'll find out for you. And you don't have to know everything. People don't really expect you to know everything, but they hope you're willing to find out for them before they shell out the money. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so um, don't you don't have to be overconfident. You have to be um, you have to be confident that you are there for them and that you're willing to go the extra mile to discover what it is that's the best solution for them. And that's really all people want to know. They want to know that you are a trusted friend of theirs. Not you're not so um, you're you're not one sided. That you mm -hmm. only care about yourself, the business that you're in, and making money. They want to know that their happiness is important to you. So I don't know if you've ever listened to any of the old Zig Ziglar stuff. Um, but Zig Ziglar was one of my very favorite speakers. And he, he in one of his um, books, and I was listening to audiobooks, he talked about a lady who was selling cookware. He was, he was a cookware salesman. And she would always be on the side of the customer. So it was like her and the customer against this big old company she worked for. I'm here <laughs> to help you. Um, we're going to discover whatever's the best for you. Um, just it's me and you against them. And a lot of times your customer will feel like it's, it's you and the company against them. But in reality, you want to be on the side of the customer. There's, there's probably a solution here for you. Let me ask some questions and then I'll figure out what we've got that will help you. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually great advice. And it's something that you kind of find yourself being pulled toward naturally is binding yourself to that, to that customer as you move through the prospecting and, and discovery processes. Um, yes. But I had never done it consciously, but now that you say it, it's like, Oh, that's, that's exactly just what you do naturally. Um, and wanting to work with people. So, yes. Yeah. And you just want to show them that, that in that moment, they're the most important thing. Um, I guess the the next question I had, and this is um, something that you know I I'm struggling with now. I would say is being able to to bounce back. So I've noticed now that my performance is it, it'll be in waves. Right, you'll have a really strong week followed by a 
followed by a low week. And I'm, I can't figure out why, or it's like, am I not checking my ego at the door? What makes that performance consistent? You know, cause it, it just, it seems to have no rhyme or reason to me. Um, but that's exactly what it's shaping up to be. And maybe I haven't done enough self-reflection on it, but I didn't know if, you know, that's something you'd seen, or maybe it's a phenomenon for, for younger reps that <laughs> haven't been around the block enough. No, I think that's just human nature. Okay. Sometimes we are um, in the mood to do our very best, and other times it's a struggle. Is that what you mean? Yeah, um, that or I don't know if it was an attitude problem or. No, let me tell you. So you will, this, everybody struggles with that. So um, it's also the time when call reluctance will come across call reluctance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and there's a balance. So when, when I say call reluctance, it can be, I know I need to do this. Uh, I'll get prepared today. You know, you start to do it and then you say, oh, I should prepare and I'll do it tomorrow. So um, I've got a couple of blog posts I'll send you about this that, um, tells you about a couple of situations that I was in. So, and I saw this in top performers um, and it probably happens more in top performers than it does in others, surprisingly, because you, you, you get that sale, you hit your quota, you hit the numbers, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like a letdown. It's like after Christmas. Okay. It's new year's. I got to put all the stuff away. You know, it's kind of like that. Um, But in order to do that, so you have to have some minimum activity that you're going to do every day or every week and just set yourself a goal. Don't don't be too um, overreaching with it. Don't don't have too high expectations for yourself, but set up yourself. So for me, it took some I would have to take some time, quiet time alone. Look at my goals. So I would say, OK, I need this much in sales this month. Where am I going to get them? And it can, before you start this process, it can feel like, I don't know. I've been so busy servicing the people I sold. I have not been prospecting. I don't know where I'm going to get it. But for me, I would just sit down and say, okay, I'd break it down. I I need to sell um, four machines. So I need at least 10 people that I'm going to be talking to. And then I would just come up with a list of people and say, I'm going to reach out to these people. Now, again, I had freedom of my own prospecting. And it was a gift. It, it didn't seem like it at the time. Mm-hmm. But it was really a gift because I got to plan my own activities and I could increase my sales. So a couple of ways that I stayed motivated was I would pick out something for myself at the end of the week. If I do these things, I've set aside those, that minimum activity then I'm going to get this at the end of the week. And it would be something kind of not important to anybody else and something I could have done anyway, but I would have felt guilty if I did it. Something like, right. <laughs> you know, that expensive coffee from the coffee shop, that, that, new, that new purse somewhere that I'd been looking at. Something I could do, but I was wanting to feel like I earned it. It was out to... So that's some of the things that I use to motivate me other than just quoting. 
or because um, I, I would have a quota and then we'd have bonuses. Well, I got used to hitting bonuses, so I needed not only quota, but I needed bonuses too. And after, in some of my biggest months, the next month was the hardest. Yeah. Because um, I had felt some success and felt like I was in the big leagues now, you know, but I needed to recover from that kind of, like you said, kind of got to settle yourself back down and say, okay, I'm not all that. <laughs> I'm still me. Um, and, but um, I, for me, again, I would just sit down and say, okay, this is what I need. How many people, and in the beginning, it's a little harder. How many people did I talk to? How many cold calls did I do? How many emails did I send? Mm -hmm. And figuring out what brought me success last time and scheduling that as my minimum this time. You know, so um, that's some of the things that I would do to make sure if I was really, so I was really big on cold calls, going out, just seeing people. But I knew that when I was really dry on prospects, the first thing I had to do was set up some appointments. I couldn't really just gamble on, I'm going to walk in and see them. So I would just sit down and do, just hit the phone book, call those people and set up some appointments. And that would usually, you say, if you get yourself some little wins like that, yep. appointments were a little win, really, but they led to sales. Cold calling, you could go do it for a whole day and not have a quick win. Burning through phone calls would give me some appointments, feel like a quick win. So okay. that's another way to get yourself back into gear and back in. Sometimes it just requires you got to talk to yourself. You got to say, look, you got to get over this. Right. This, is, this is, you love doing this and this is way better than you can think about some things that's way worse. Like for me, my first job was as a receptionist and I had to tell somebody when I was going to the bathroom because I was the one who manned the phones alone. And for me, it would always be like, I don't ever want to tell anybody that I'm going to the bathroom. So, so that is, you know, that's, that's some of the other things you can think of how blessed you are that you get to do this and that'll motivate you to do the calls and to do the work and to stay, you know, kind of engaged. In and when, I mean, I do that too. I'm like, well, I guess I could be, I guess I could be working outside and sweating right now. Um, <laughs> but do you have uh, like a, just a day-to-day, -day, you know, centering process that you have? I mean, just to, we're fighting call reluctance, right? Like I know I need to do this. This is my regular routine that'll get me in the mindset I need to be in to, to get, to get sat down and start doing what I need to do. Um, what, what does your process look like for that? Okay. So I love journaling. I love just writing out what's stressing me. If there's some stuff that's stressing me, I write it down. If, um, and then I write my goals as if they happened. So uh -huh. when I have, so let's say I have a particularly stressful day or a hard day. And I'm, what I want to do is think about at the end of the day, what will make me feel like it's been a good day? And I write it out like it's happened. It's great if you can focus on some things that's in your control, but it's okay to put the things down that you're a little nervous about. So, for example, I called so-and-so and they agreed to meeting next week to sign the contract. I just write that out. I know I'm going to be calling them. I write it out like it happened. So glad they agreed we're meeting next week because your subconscious knows no difference. And mm -hmm. if, if something has happened 
or not happened, but it makes you feel like it has. And so it will alleviate some of the stress. Plus, it gives you a direction. I know now what I want to happen, so I'm going to work toward that. Instead of, these are all the things that I hope don't happen. I have no control over that. These are some things I can control, and this is what I'm hoping to happen. Yeah, no, that's that makes perfect sense. And I've I've noticed that even reminding myself of, even if I'm not journaling, right, it's uh, reminding myself what I do and don't control. Um, does a lot for your mood and people can, and people can hear that on the phones. Um, now, another thing that I do is sometimes I just listen to country, old country music and just sing the top of my lungs when I'm by myself, it gets me in a better mood. <laughs> Yours may be something different, but it takes me back to a time that I love. It's a mm-hmm. time that I felt. So it can be like, if you have a favorite music from your young adulthood, your childhood that brings Reminds you of a time that everything was going well and you wasn't stressed. It can take, you know, you can do that and it'll put you in a better mindset. If you're calling people, put a mirror where you can see yourself to make sure you're smiling. That's a really good one too. Um, Cause people, I mean, people really can hear, hear your tone, hear your smile. Um, and you don't think it until it works. And, yes. and then you realize the difference it really makes. Yes. Yeah, so those are just some things that I that I use to put me in the right mindset because that's what it all it all boils down to mindset. Mm-hmm. Do I want to be here? Do I want to be doing this? Yes, and these are the results I'm looking for. Awesome. Um, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, the other question I, I've had, and I didn't know if if you had made this jump before or if. Um, there were some differences that, that you would highlight, but going from, um, B to C, um, to B to B, that's a a transition I've made over the last couple quarters. And I've definitely had to change my strategy, change, you know, how you approach things. Um, but it's all been trial by fire. I didn't know if you had any, you know, solid points that I could run with and that would make that transition easier over the next few quarters on my end. So for working with B2B over B2C, what kind of recommendations do I have? Yes. Okay, so I love B2B because you can reason with them. Okay, so B2B, it's important to them that they make money. Mm -hmm. It's important that business is easier rather than harder because that helps them make more money. Um, and you, so uh, that's one of the reasons I love B2B. They have the, they always have the same goals. If you're going B2C, they don't always have the same goals. It can change. What's important to, to, to one is not important to the other, but businesses for the most part, all want to make money and stay in business and have happy employees. If you, if you can cover those things, um, with them or help them in some of those ways, you're usually doing pretty good. So. Some of the things that you might want to ask them is what kind of goals do you have for your business? Mm-hmm. What's some of your biggest struggles? Have you has do you have any new um, goals? Do you have any new obstacles that wasn't around a year ago? Or um, you know what's most important in your business this quarter? You can another thing I love about B two B is you can investigate a little bit. You can look on their website. You can 
um, look around the community and see, you know, what they're sponsoring or new things that brings up something you can talk to them about. Businesses love when you recognize what they're doing because it means the money they're spending to do it is working. Right. You know, it's not so, for nothing. Yeah. So they they go through a lot of thought when it comes to advertising and marketing and the events they sponsor or do. So when you or if you recognize that they have a new location coming, because usually those things, as you know, because you're starting another business, those things don't come easy. They come mm -hmm. with a lot of thought and you want to know that somebody is paying attention. Um, so that that gives you something to, to talk with um, B2B about. But it also helps you know who you should be talking to because you can kind of, there's a lot of, of things that's out in the open with B2B that you can see and know who to call on or what to do that you don't get the luxury if you're not B2B. Mm -hmm. A little bit harder to uncover those things. Um, but if you can talk to them about, you know, what's their biggest concerns? Right now, for example, hiring is a concern. Keeping your good employees is a concern. Keeping them safe has been a concern. So I can see all of that has probably been on everybody's mind. But you, you need to think about the product you have and what it's doing for them and what kind of questions that you can bring up to let you know, ah, oh, yes, that means I could help them through with this. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me again what your what your software does. Yes, we're uh, an ETL solution. So really allowing companies to access data um, in external sources and integrate it into their internal processes. Um, and whether that is eliminating engineering hours that their data team is spending doing all of this manually or making this data more accurate for even their sales reps to use. Um, but that's, that's what we do is, you know, operating within the, within the data space um, okay. for these B2B companies. Okay. So think about that. Just what I just described is all data. Mm -hmm. And the more data you have, the more you can make money. So for them, you're making it easier for them to turn a profit. You're, you're making it better for their employees. You can find out where the burden is right now for them when they're trying to find out this data. So um, you're, you're really, you're helping them make more money, but you're also making it easier to be in business. So if you can figure out, um, so some of my questions for them, you know, I don't know clearly what you do because it takes, you know, I, I, but this is what I'm thinking. Um, I want to know what they're doing now without that solution. How are they getting that information? And then I want to be able to share with them why I think this is a better solution. So first I want to know, because if you go to them with yours and you don't know exactly what they're doing, um, it's hard to say what I've got's better. Mm -hmm. But if you go to them and you figure out, okay, what's it look like, right? And you kind of get inside of their business and you want to say, okay, what's it look like without me? And then what would it be if they had this? And if you can figure that out, then you can talk to them in a way that they're going to be like, oh, okay. 
doesn't have to be big stuff. It doesn't have to be everything that this is going to do for them. Right. But if you can figure out what the biggest pain point with them in their data is right now, and that you have an answer to that, then that's, that's where you'll get more business. Okay. You know, that's, that makes perfect sense. I think the, uh, I think you're spot on with that, even if you're not in the data space. Um, <laughs> that's exactly it. Um, I, I, the biggest struggle I've found in getting to that point is, and maybe this is just the the B2B space I'm unfamiliar with still yet, is these are companies that have been around for a while and they grow prideful of their processes. Oh, yeah. Um, and breaking down that wall of pride of like, you know, I understand that what you're doing has worked and has brought these results, but have you thought about this? How how would you navigate? How do you navigate the pride wall? Okay, so you're right in acknowledging okay. that you have done a great job with what what's been available to you, but there's some new things I'd love for you to take a look at. That way, it gives them. Okay, if they've been successful then they have been the front runner in some areas. Mm -hmm. So they've been open at some point to hearing a new way. So you want to address that you're doing a great job. But I'd love to share just a little bit about how I think I could offer you more help or offer you a solution to expand on the success you've already had. So you aren't... You aren't saying what you've been doing is all wrong. Or you also don't want to say, oh, but there's a new and better way. Because if you feel like something's working, you want to know why do I want it? How do you know it's better? So you really want to go in more like, I know you've been very successful. What does right now, what does your process look like for your data? This, and then you can say, I have something that I'd love for you to take a look at. And this is what I would see being an advantage to you at this point in your business. Mm -hmm. So it's not that, again, not that everything you've been doing is wrong. It certainly hasn't been. But I, I know from your past success, you're open to anything that brings more success. So you're speaking mm, to. That's really good. You're speaking to the success. Because after all, it, it's not that what they have is bad or hasn't worked. But wouldn't you want to know if something's better? Yeah, right. So yeah. that's what you want to talk to them about. Yeah, and that, I, th I mean, even, even hearing you say it to me, <laughs> and I'm not a buyer, hearing, I mean, hearing the acknowledgement of, you know, I know what you're doing has worked just removes the 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 pride um it you're right it brings you to the same level as yeah. as the buyer and then you but, can become conversational like you were saying yeah you want them you want to acknowledge that you respect everything they've done mm -hmm. and because of that respect you're one of the first people i wanted to talk to about this no that's i'm writing that down past success indicates a willingness to listen mm -hmm. at some point i'm gonna i'm gonna bring that one out at some point <laughs> in the next couple of days and i'll let you know <laughs> what the response is <laughs> that that is pretty much covers everything i had 
had questions on. I know as soon as I get off here, I'm going to be hit with some more or I'm going to get on calls today. And <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, I need to call Renee back and see what she would say about this. But I, no, thanks so much for, for all of that. And it's just funny how um, even if you're not in the data space or, you know, whatever industry, a lot of this or a lot of it in sales anyway, just feels like universal truths. It is. Um, and I'm, I'm learning those universal truths <laughs> slowly but surely. It is a learning process and enjoy every step of the way because you're just going to get better and you're going to be able to serve people better and you're going to have a long list of customers and clients that you made a difference for. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's really a good feeling. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, but to still have customers that I've had all these years and and know that they appreciate what I've sold them. It of course makes it easier for me to be proud that I'm a salesperson. Right. Um, because I know that I made the process a little better for me. They wouldn't have known about how great it was if I didn't tell them. So um, just remember that. So I appreciate you um, being open um, to coaching on my podcast and, and being a listener you're a faithful listener and I appreciate that um, but you also have another business I'd love to for you before before we go just to share a little bit about yeah um, so it's a, a project that my brother and myself and um, a friend of ours uh, have been working on for the last year or so um, but we started pre-COVID and COVID was actually kind of a, a blessing in disguise for us because it kind of forced us to pump our brakes a little bit and really think through our processes. Um, but the, the name of the business is Third Hand, um, Third Hand Movers. But the whole idea is, um, you know, creating a, a freelance style, independent work platform for people to find work and for individuals to list their moves and, and have their move service in a way that, you know, is still professionalized, is still standardized, but isn't the, you know, the arm and a leg cost of what a, a traditional moving company would be. Um, and the idea just kind of came about after <laughs> when you drive a truck in all of your buddies don't have trucks, you kind of become the de facto mover <laughs> for all of your friends. And it's just uh, became a question of, well, isn't there, there's got to be a market that we can kind of frame up around this. Um, so we've been running with that and looking to, to launch this quarter in the central Kentucky area and start dipping our toe into the water. So we're, we're really excited about, you know, seeing how things go and hopefully taking some of these universal truths that you've dug in this morning with me on and, and applying that as we go through that process. So. No, that's super. I'm excited to watch it grow because I think it is a much needed service for both those who will be doing it and the people who are looking to uh, get the help moving. So great job. No, th thanks so much. Um, fingers crossed everything goes well. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I hope you have a great week and um, continue to listen to the podcast and read the um, the blog post. You, you, you'll find some more um, tips and, and, and things that I think that might help you as you grow, but you're going to do great. Thanks. I, I don't know if I had mentioned it or not, um, but actually after I... <laughs> 
after I listened to the the first episode, I actually turned around and, and was able to book two meetings that same day. So I was like, the proof is is in the pudding. So I'll stay a, a faithful listener and, and stick to the processes that you lay out. So oh, that's super. Thank you so much. No problem. <laughs> Have a great week. Thanks, Renee. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. So if you are like Nick and you have a sales career that you hadn't planned on being in, or maybe you are starting a new business, consider joining my community. We have two coaching calls that are very similar to what I have done with Nick today that we meet uh, twice a month and you can submit your questions and I will share with you my thoughts. You will also have the opportunity to hear what other community members are going through. And there's always an opportunity to apply what's happening with them to what you're doing. So I think uh, it is an awesome opportunity. I know when I was beginning in sales, I would have loved this because I felt all alone. I felt like I had some questions. Maybe I wanted to try this in my presentations or how would this look if I was giving you this quote? There was a lot of things that I would have loved to hear other people's thoughts on. And I think that's one of the greatest things about my community. In addition to that, there is tons of modules and lessons and also a Voxer day. So as a community member, you get full Voxer access one day a month and you can share what's going on and maybe some questions you have. So like in the case with Nick and the coaching, he could have just Voxered me, hey, this is going on, what, what would you do? I would Voxer him back with some information. If he had some more questions, he has the opportunity to Voxer me again that day. Maybe he he has a question, I give a suggestion, he tries it and it works, but he has some more questions about it he can again boxer me that same day. So that's some of the advantages of being in the community. And you always have uh, email access for things that pop up during the month and you need a little extra help getting to quota or maybe closing a deal to get you to quota. And I love that about the community. Again, when I was new in sales or even now, I love having that opportunity to have somebody to share that understands the pain I'm going through sometimes. So if you haven't taken a look, go to my website. You'll get a sneak peek of what the community's like and let me know what you think. Again, thanks for listening. If you could, if you found value in this, if you could share the podcast with someone else, I'd really appreciate it. Have a great week.